Hello and welcome to MacBytes episode 37. I'm Mike Thomas and I'm here with my co-host Elaine Giles. And in this episode, an undocumented bug in ScreenFlow and keeping your apps up to date. But uh, first, I think this week we should start off with a moan. Not a rant, just a little whinge. Mm. Now there's an idea for future episodes. What do you think? Whinge of the week. For a change, you mean? Uh, yeah. Um, last week we mentioned ScreenFlow 2 was out, something that I'd been eagerly awaiting for weeks. And uh, what happened? Um, I broke it. Yeah, surprise, surprise. Well, you better tell the listeners the full story rather than just leaving it at that. Well, uh, there's a bug in ScreenFlow 2, apparently. Uh, you can't save to an external drive. Now, I had a problem with that. <laughs> I'm saying that quite a lot, aren't I? Um, because I'd recorded, and once it's recorded, I'd save it to my external drive. Um, but the issue looked exactly the same as you had when you were trying to run an old version of ScreenFlow on Snow Leopard. I was getting an error message that said the document, and then it had the document title, could not be saved as, and again, the document title. So that left me with an unsaved recording. Yes, yeah, so I checked through the forums and I actually found a thread on Telestream's own forum. Many other people actually had the same problem, so we weren't alone. And one of the Telestream support people actually posted to the forum that it was a known issue. Don't you love known issues? Hate that. Mm. And uh, they're working on a fix, which was about a week ago. And they said it will be a matter of days, which was about a week ago. Mm, brilliant. Well, an ETA for that fix would be good. Um... The thing with it is that makes it strange. You can work off an external drive. It just won't let you save to it. So as long as you save to your internal drive, and when I say your internal drive, it must be your boot disk as well. So if you've got a Mac Pro and you've got four drives in there, it will only save to your boot disk, which is a problem because, you know, if you're working on a laptop and you've got a, a nice two terabyte external drive to save to, but you don't particularly want to save it to your boot disk, um, then you're not going to do it. It will not do it. So um, what you're supposed to do is save it to your boot disk and then you can move it to your external drive. And once it's there, um, ScreenFlow will let you open it, edit it, do everything that you need to do with it. But it just won't save it there initially, which is very, very odd. Yeah, it's actually a lot faster when you work off an internal drive, isn't it? So I, th I think it must be cached somewhere. Yeah, when you're saving and you're saving it to that internal drive, and I can't test whether it's just your the, your boot disk, so we'll, we'll say when you save it to your boot disk, um, it is much, much faster when it comes to saving. Um, can sometimes take almost 10 minutes to save to an external drive, whereas to the internal drive, it's virtually instantaneous. So I would imagine it is cached somewhere. And I've noticed um, on the odd occasion it's crashed on me, not actually on Snow Leopard, haven't had that problem. Um, but when I was on Leopard and my machine was a bit on the iffy side, it crashed quite frequently. Um, and one of these crashes, that was usually when I was editing, but one of the crashes was when I'd recorded and um, it crashed before I could save. And I thought, well, that's that one gone. Um, but when I started it up again, no, the recording was actually there. It went into some sort of recovery mode. So I would imagine that it is cached and it's cached um, in some kind of format that isn't just it gets wiped out when you restart the application that it is in a format that you can actually recover from so um yes i'm having to save to my boot disk at the moment which isn't my preferred way of working and 
being honest, come on, why wasn't that discovered during the beta testing? Um, it's really pretty fundamental. And they actually opened the beta testing up quite widely as well. Um, I didn't go down that route to beta test it. Um, I need my screen recording software to actually work, so I wasn't too worried. I know you were um, very desperate to get your hands on that, and uh, maybe if you had, you'd have told them that that is very, very fundamental to working. Yeah, if I had been involved in the beta testing, because I, by default, actually saved to one of my um, external drives, I think I would have noticed that pretty much straight away. Well, but, I certainly did. It was my first recording. Yeah. And I'm, but, I'm left sat there with it thinking, I now have a recording and it's unsaved and I can't save it and what am I going to do? And it never crossed my mind, you know, initially when I'm sat there with that unsaved recording, oh, well, what I need to do is save it to my boot disk. Why should it make a difference? But clearly it did. Mm, it shouldn't, but uh, you put it out on Twitter and nobody actually came back to us, not even ScreenFlow themselves. Now, only last week we'd actually been praising the attitude of small developers, haven't we? Yes, and I had had an issue with ScreenFlow before, as we've discussed on MacBytes, which was to do with the um, activation and the fact that it wouldn't. Um, and they did come back to me on Twitter. Um, they couldn't help. I had to tell them what the solution was. But they did actually get back to me. But I've noticed this week, um, ever since ScreenFlow 2 came out, um, I am following them on Twitter and I'm getting lots of things telling me how wonderful ScreenFlow 2 is. And they're retweeting other people who are doing wonderful things with it, which is great. But then don't don't just leave somebody who's saying, just a minute, this isn't working properly um, and gloss over it with uh, all your marketing blurb, because I'm not that doesn't impress me. That really doesn't impress me. If they just come back and said, you know, we're aware of the issue and there's going to be a fix out in 10 days. Fine. But to just fail to address it at all, whilst at the same time bombarding me with how marvellous the product is, doesn't impress me. Yeah, I had the same problem as we said before with the old version, but I think that's because I was actually using a version that wasn't compatible with Snow Leopard. But uh, once you'd given me the latest version, then it was uh, all fine and dandy. That's what that's what confused me, though, because the message was exactly the same and the problem was exactly the same, an unsaved recording. And I knew that it couldn't possibly be an old version because it was 2.0 and it only just come out that day. So, um, yes, here's to small developers who do um, take on board your comments. Yeah, and talking to small developers, there's actually been two updates to BusyCal this week. First was a fix for uh, daylight saving time. Now, that really did have to be fixed in a timely manner, didn't it? Especially seeing as though we put our clocks back last week and the US did theirs just a couple of days ago. Yeah, and uh, then they fixed an alarm bug where the BusyCal alarm application was no longer communicating with the BusyCal app. And in some cases, uh, new events created in BusyCal wouldn't appear on the BusyCal alarm menu and the alarm notification wouldn't occur. So uh, well done to John and Dave for their quick fixes. You know, I didn't have any of those problems at all. Um, BusyCal is um, very busy. Uh, you've seen my month. It's horrendous. And uh, it's been working brilliantly. So I'm really, really pleased with BusyCal. Sadly, Adobe make hard work of what should be simple again this week. Um, I was on Mac Update and an update came through for something called the Adobe Services Update 1.0.2. And I thought, oh, what's that? So um, I ran my Adobe updater and it told me I didn't need to update. 
So I thought, well, maybe it's already updated, but it really isn't clear whether that's updated or not. Um, what it says is that it's fixing a bug in the CS4 services in infrastructure running in Snow Leopard. So I thought, well, that could actually help with some of the problems that people are seeing with CS4. Um, it's saying the bug currently prevents the update of an in-application integrated Adobe services, as well as the ability for users to get authenticated in order to use Adobe services. So I was none the wiser when I'd read it. Um, it goes on to say, please note you must install services update 1.0.1 prior to running the 1.0.2 update. And I didn't know if I had that installed either. So I left it, but I wasn't impressed with that at all. I've no idea what it is. I do have CS4. I've no idea whether it's already been installed because I've used the updater. But then if it had, then why would it have been released separately? Um, so I'm at a complete loss. What I did notice was a distinct change in the comments. Um, the comments are quite scathing from people who are saying this is ridiculous. Um, but more than that, they're actually saying that they're moving away from Adobe products. Now, I know we mentioned that last week, didn't we? We did. And... Um, that's definitely what I'm sensing from people, that um, they're using them now under sufferance because, you know, maybe Photoshop is the best Photoshop, uh, you know, photo editor that's out there, but they'd rather not use it. They'd rather use something else from somewhere else. And it's all to do with not the product itself, but the installation of the product, the update of the product, the price of the product or whatever else. And but the attitude not... of Adobe when it comes to uh, fireworks. Indeed. But let's so, not um, go down there. No, let's not, not, let's not go there again. But it shows you that that is where people are heading. So th the smaller application developers who are putting things out like uh, Pixelmator and uh, the new vector graphics that are out there, maybe it's not too late. Uh, we all thought that uh, every other browser was dead in the water with Internet Explorer, and um, clearly that's not so anymore. So if I were Adobe, I'd be thinking carefully about the fundamentals of their products and uh, making life easy for people using them not more difficult so as yet i'm not sure if i do actually have that installed or whether i need it i could say my software's working but um following on from last week my software's still crashing so i don't know whether it would help or not so there you go i'm glad you explained that one because i didn't have a clue well, I, I was none the wiser what it actually was when I'd finished reading it, but uh, like I say, what can you do? It's Adobe. Well, changing tack, uh, clearly Steve Jobs is listening to MacBytes. Yes, I'm glad to hear it. Mm, remember when iTunes 9 came out and we discussed that there should be an option to switch between light and dark backgrounds in the grid view? Well, now they've added it with 9.0.2 and you'll find it in the general section of the preferences. Ah. <sighs> You mean they came round to my way of thinking yet again? Yeah, of course, they must have heard the rant. <clears throat> and apart from the uh, setting, the colour setting, everything else uh, seemed to relate to the Apple TV and the small matter of stopping the Palm Pre singing again. No great surprise. Mm, but the update did fix one of those small but critical things. So now we need them to put the tabs on the top or tabs on the bottom into Safari. That would please Gaz so much. Not that he likes me continually reminding him that they're at the bottom. Mm. But, you know, one day, Gaz, one day it'll happen. Maybe. Talking of iTunes, I read this week that uh, some people have had problems syncing their iPhones with PCs that are running Windows 7 and using the Intel P55 chipset. Now, 
If you're thinking what that's got to do with Macs, the new 27-inch iMacs, uh, I believe there's a good chance that these will be P55 based. Now, whether the OS X will make a difference or whether it's a chip issue, uh, watch this space, I think. Sounds more like a Windows issue, but let's not waste any time on Windows. We'd be here all night. Uh, more Mac goodness. Um, one of those bundles is uh, on this week, the Mac Sale Bundle, which may or may not be from MacZot. I see there is a MacZot logo on it, but um, it's pretty understated. Um, there's 10 apps worth over £250 going for just $50. Um, rather an odd collection of apps, I thought. Yeah, there wasn't anything new that I'd actually used when I looked at them. Um, one of the ones I use is uh, Huda Geo or Howda Geo. Um, I've got Picturesque, which came in another bundle. And I've seen Mac Journal, but I don't use it. But other than those, no, I wouldn't use any of them either. And like I said, it's just not... It's just got a feel of just not being that organised. Uh, Mac Heist is organised to the nth degree, um, as are some of the other giveaways. But all you get here is a little brief description of the app, along with its normal price. Uh, some are listed in pounds, some are in dollars, some are in euros. Um, and there's no indication of things like when it ends. So usually you get like a big countdown and you've seen how many people are buying the bundle and uh, they might add extra apps to it, You know, generally creating a buzz. And in this, there's just nothing. So uh, we'll put the URL in the show notes. It's uh, themacsale.com. And I just feel it's a shame it's not better organised and promoted. Uh, Mac Heist is on the way soon, so that's bound to get more publicity, to be honest, isn't it? Yeah, it is, definitely. I like Mac Heist, the way they promote things. And is that the one where they unlock it? Um, it is, and they're actually in the process of sort of saying it's coming soon, it's coming soon. One thing I hate with all those kind of things is this, you know, tweet it out business. Most people would tweet something out they felt to be of value anyway to make sure that their friends didn't miss out. But the fact that, I mean, this time I don't think you actually do have to tweet out, but they're not making that clear at all. So um, my Twitter feed is full of people telling me about Mac Heist when I know all about it. Um, what I would do in those circumstances is create another Twitter account for um, stuff like that. I wouldn't want to bombard my followers with it. So um, no criticism of those who thought that they did have to have to tweet out. But I think Mac High should know better than that because they're, they're going to get publicity anyway. People will tweet it because they want to, not because they have to. Yeah, I noticed a couple of uh, a couple of my followers had, uh, had tweeted uh, the Mac Heist, but I haven't actually looked at it, must admit. Well, I clicked the button that was there thinking, well, what's this about? And it actually takes you to your Twitter page in a browser and it populates the um, tweet field, but it doesn't actually send it. So once I'd got that far, I thought, well, I, I, hang on a minute, I don't actually want to send this out. When I went back to the Mac, um, the Mac Heist page, um, it had already unlocked whatever it was unlocking, um, the software. So I didn't bother tweeting it out. But if you'd had to tweet it out, then I would have tweeted it out on a different Twitter account. But there's far mm. too many of these things um, that, that they're making it. To me, that's spam. But uh, we know all about that, don't we, from uh, some of our followers that uh, got caught by that. Yes, let's not go there. No, no, we won't embarrass. We won't name and shame. But um, suffice it to say, it's not a video of you, so don't click the link. And if you're tempted and you do, please don't put your password in there or I did we'll be say, bombarded. <laughs> I did say I wouldn't out this personal map bite, so I'm going to stick to that promise. Right, well, we, we won't out them. Now, as I say, I've not looked at my case this week. I've, I've actually had more important things to look at. Um... 
the orange more important than software. Ah, the orange announcement for the iPhones. Oh, we'll go iPhone, on. iPhone, iPhone, that is important. Oh, it is, it is, it is. Hang on. Mm. iPhone, iPhone, iPhone. We haven't heard that for a while. No, and it wasn't well, synchronised, but hey-ho. My first thought this week when Orange announced their tariffs was, you know, way hey, better coverage. Um, you know, I've, I've been disappointed with uh, O2's coverage. Um, I'll be walking along the street, I'll be walking along with a dog, and suddenly it'll go down from 3G to the blue dot for no apparent reason. I'll even retrace my steps, you know, one step back, and it, it won't get back, go back to 3G. I don't quite understand how it all works, so I'm putting it down to O2. But as I say, I thought, you know, better coverage is here, orange. I'm up for that when the contract ends, but it's not as simple as that, is it? No, um, I've not had too much problem with the coverage it's it's annoying when you're out there are certain places where the 3g is slower than gprs um but i put it down to the to the actual master at the location rather than it being um particularly o2's coverage yeah but and we I, sat I've... on sat on the motorway last week weren't we in that horrendous traffic queue listening to radio 5 via uh, f stream and it it just went from 3g to gprs you know we hadn't even moved no i know but that's what i'm saying that's that's your data connection um i i was saying i don't have a problem with oto in terms of the phone coverage whereas with vodafone i did um even in major cities I, w I would get to the point where there was there was no phone signal at all. Normally with O2, it's four, but most of the time it's five. So I think the phone signal's fine. Um, data coverage, I, I probably don't use it as much as you do. So if I was out and about and it was going, then no, I wouldn't be pleased either. I don't think Orange have got um, much better coverage, if it's better at all. Um, I know of somebody who lived in a location where they couldn't get... Um, orange coverage at all so they were with O2 then they moved and they had to move from O2 because they got no O2 coverage at all but they could get orange coverage so I think it really just depends I mean they changed it because of where they lived but if you happen to be with O2 and you went to a location where there was no coverage then simple as that you're just not going to get any coverage whether I suppose Vodafone is probably better but I certainly didn't find it better for phone coverage. I think it might be better for 3G coverage for data, but not for phone coverage with my experience of it. But like you say, it's not as simple as that. Um, I thought the idea was it would promote competition. And I remember distinctly that we said, yes, but the trouble with that is they'll bring in all these complicated tariffs with impenetrable permutations of minutes and texts and data. Yeah, we need to worry about that, though, really. Mm. No, because everything's pretty much the same. Uh, we've got the same tariffs, with one exception. Um, the same price, with no exceptions. And more, more restrictions. Yeah, I was well peeved. And, and that's the clean version <laughs> when I read about the limits. I mean, no Facebook, no Twitter, no Stream, no Spotify. And uh, seeing as I make about 10 calls and said about 10 texts a month, I might as well not bother. Yes, it's one of those situations where unlimited doesn't actually mean unlimited. Um, and originally on your own network too. They initially announced there was a 750 meg limit per month um, without actually clarifying to any extent what that meant. So it could well be 3G, Wi-Fi via BT and your own network. 
So somebody that I follow on Twitter, um, the BBC correspondent, Rory Keflin-Jones, sought clarification from um, Orange and it took them over four hours to get back about it. Um, when they did get back about it, they seemed confused. Um, they said 750 meg on 3G, 750 meg on Wi-Fi via BT uh, and all you can eat of your own. So to be honest, I don't think I'm going to be rushing to change. No, I'm going to wait until Vodafone announce what they've got to offer. Plus, I'm still in contract and who knows if new phones are just around the corner. Well, true. And that was the other thing. Um, the prices varied depending on the length of the contract that you took out with Orange. Now, I've had a mobile phone since oh, 1992 which is a long time ago now. They were bricks at the time. Um, and when you signed up for it, you know, it was a 12-month contract. And then you went, uh, you know, it automatically transferred to a monthly one. What did happen to 12-month contracts? Because now there doesn't seem to be anything under 18 months. Um, and the orange ones talk about two years. Now, be honest. Do you really want to... I don't want to lock myself into 18 months. Do you really want to lock yourself into two years? No, it is a long time, isn't it? Because I presume you can't upgrade the phone either during that time. Well, I'm assuming not. If they did it the same as they did the first gen iPhone, then maybe people would go for two years. But judging by what happened last time, and we didn't go for, for the upgrade, I think, didn't we price it out at about £570 each? I think we did. To buy the contract out, take a new contract, get the new phone. I mean, that is ridiculously expensive. So we didn't. Um, if I take on a two-year contract, I, Apple could bring out two, three iPhones in that time. And I, well, I can upgrade. Obviously, I can if I'm prepared to pay the penalty for it. But I'd rather not. And when I looked at the price of the pay-as-you-go ones, and again, your problem with the pay-as-you-go is you're paying as you go for data as well, and then you get these complicated tariffs. And the prices were ridiculous. So uh, I probably will go with the contract. I, I will definitely wait until there is a new phone, but I don't want to take a two-year contract out. And I think they should go back to 12 months, really, or at least give you the option of it. They can charge you more because they're charging you more for an 18-month contract, but it would at least give you an option where it wouldn't exactly cripple you if you did want to upgrade. So tiny, tiny complaints there with um, Orange. There is no competition at all. They have made the uh, lowest tariff, which is the £30 tariff. They've doubled the minutes and doubled the texts. Um, but even so, maybe that's the market they're going for and that's why they've left the rest alone. Makes you wonder what Vodafone will come out with. So watch this space. Yeah, watch this space. Time will tell. Now, when I moved to a Mac, I thought I'd left behind the constant updating of apps. Yes, but look what happens when you do. ScreenFlow won't save your files. Let that be a lesson and get the updated. Yeah, and a lot of good that did you. You can't save to your external drive now. No, but at least I can save to the internal one. Touché. I did try AppFresh, which is free. I'll stick a link in the show notes. We did discuss that um, a while back, actually. Although it actually relies heavily on um, a service uh, called os10.iusethis.com. And if you're not familiar with I Use This, it's a software review site for Mac software, which has got about 4,500 pieces of software listed and 20,000 users constantly adding reviews or simply saying, I use this. You can actually find just about anything there. I think you need to say that um, 
app fresher what it actually does. The idea is that it, it updates your applications for you and you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, it just works in the background. I actually liked it, uh, but I actually found that there was quite a few apps that weren't um, supported, shall we say, because the developers didn't register them with I use this. Um, I don't use I use this either, if you get my meaning. Um, maybe that was my problem with AppFresh, but it, it was a bit erratic for me. Mm, I don't use this. Hmm, exactly. Yes, I think we made that joke last time as well. Did we? <laughs> yeah. oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> That's all right. The listeners will have forgotten. You think so? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, not now you've reminded them, though. Mm, okay. Thanks for that. Go back and find which episode it was. There's a competition, because I can't remember. Um, Mac Update have just released uh, Mac Update Desktop version 5, which does essentially the same thing as AppFresh, but has a number of other features. Now, you've used the Mac Update website for quite a while, haven't you? Oh, absolutely. Ever since I got a Mac. Um, I find it clear, concise, all the updates in one place. Um, and I've actually subscribed to their Twitter feed as well for instant updates, too. Yeah, well, this service costs $20 a year, which... Uh, I don't think it's a great deal for what it does, and you can install it on up to five Macs. You get a 10-day trial. You have to have an account at Mac Update, but that is actually free to register. So I downloaded it, I installed it, and I gave it a try. Now, when you run it, the left-hand pane is split into sections. You've got applications, you've got widgets, screensavers, and preference panes, which represent the different types of items that uh, Mac Update can work with. So you click on one of the categories and what it then does is it displays only the items for that category. Once the category is selected, you can then choose via little buttons on the top to display all items, those that are outdated or those that are up to date. Now, I bet all yours were up to date, weren't they? Well, I'm trialling it too. And um, no, I'm prepared to admit it found three items that were out of date. Um, and luckily, it was able to update all three with hardly any intervention from me, which very much impressed me. Because, as I say, I didn't have that much success with AppFresh. Now, that is impressive. Uh, but I'm surprised that you had three uh, items out of date. Not so like was you. I. I mm. clearly blinked and, and missed three. Mm. Well, a list of your applications is loaded in and displayed in a table view. And you can actually customise the columns are displayed. By default, it displays the name of the app, the installed version, the current version, the release date and the description. But there's actually some others which are quite handy. Uh, who the developer is, whether it's a demo or shareware or whatever type of licence it is, and the local path. So usually your slash apps folder. Clicking on an app displays a panel below the table with more info in it. Does that mean it's an info panel? It does mean it's an info panel. Cool. That was a great segue, hey? Mm. <laughs> Had to get it in somewhere. Uh, now, all you do is you select updates, download all, and it begins the update process. You can actually configure it via some preferences to just download the apps or download and install. You can also specify whether to keep or delete a copy of the downloads once it's been installed. And there's another handy option which uh, allows you to choose whether to install beta versions or uh, ignore beta versions. 
depending on the configuration. So if you've actually chosen to keep a copy of the downloads, what it does is it creates a folder in your home folder downloads folder, although you can even change that by the preferences, and it calls it Mac Update Desktop followed by the date. Um, and inside that folder, it creates a subfolder, one per app that's downloaded. Uh, for most of them, it actually puts the version number within the folder name, which is quite handy because uh, have you noticed quite a lot when you download an, an app, and I think we've discussed this before, the DMG is just the name of the application, which that is... That drives me absolutely insane because I do keep old versions. Um, yeah. as, as you know, I had a problem with Pathfinder and I had to roll it back. Um, and I either make a folder of the version number um, or I tag it onto the DMG. And either way, I don't think I should have to do that. Um, I know why they do it, which means that you can always download the latest version with a single um, URL. But that's not the point. You know, redirect the thing because it drives me insane. I've always created a, a folder. I didn't. I wasn't sure what effect it would have if you rename the DMG. Doesn't seem to have any effect. Mm. Um, but I, I do tend to make a folder um, because, like I say, I do keep older versions. Initially, I was keeping sort of one version, but as I had to roll back about four versions, I do now keep quite a few old versions. Yeah, I I think I keep most versions actually, just just to be on the safe side. I do get rid of them if if you go from like version three to version four and you've tested version four, you know, and after you've had it a couple of months, then I might, um, when I say get rid of them, I will burn them off on, onto a DVD or a Blu-ray disc um, and then take them off the hard drive because it's unlikely I'm ever going to go back to them. But I have had enough occasions where something's not right in a new version and I do want to roll it back that I need to keep them. Yeah, there's some other options as well, going back to, to Mac Update. You can actually click on individual apps in the list and uh, you get a, a menu, you get a right-click menu and you can actually specify various options. So from there, you can download and install an individual app. You can open the Mac Update page, which takes you to macupdate.com and then loads in the page for that app. You can go to the developer's website you can reveal the file, well, the app file in Finder. You can even choose not to check for updates. And I did that with the Adobe ones because that's got its own updater, although that has issues, as we yes, discussed earlier. Yes, let's not go there. And also stuff like Safari, iLife, iWork, um, you know, iCal, all those sort of things. I've, I've marked those as not to check up for updates because they, they get updated anyway uh, when you do a software update with Apple. Um, I didn't mark them as uh, not to update them, um, and it's, it just leaves them alone. So I've not had any problems with it you know, giving me any information about them. So uh, we'll see when they bring out an update what it makes of it. But uh, so far, it has just ignored them. Now, sometimes developers actually forget to configure their application to display the correct version information, uh, and that results in what um, MacUpdate call a bad match. So what you can do is you can send a bad match report to MacUpdate, and then they'll get onto the developer and, and sort it out with them. Also, if there's an app that MacUpdate isn't tracking, and uh, you did this tonight with something, uh, you can just right-click on it and submit it to MacUpdate. Yep, I did do that tonight. Can't for life me remember what with, but I did notice that I, I did it yesterday as well. Um, we said that it tracks preference panes, um, and I have in there two preference panes belonging to the a better finder um, category. 
and there's two of them together and one of them's listed and one of them isn't and nor does it seem to understand that if you've got both installed instead of it being a better finder rename or a better finder attributes the whole panel is just called a better finder or a better finder series so I submitted that as well maybe they can sort that out now I've found that some apps might not be updatable automatically because uh, you've got to log into the developer's site uh, and in this case you'll find a more info button uh, in that uh, info panel area uh, and what that does is it takes you to the site. I actually did that with Firefox. Um, I tonight had uh, a couple of updates and I couldn't get it to automatically update notebook or view scan. Now view scan didn't seem to want to update because, like you say, you had to go somewhere specific for the file. Uh, Notebook was a little more insidious. Um, Notebook version is 3.0, but the developer uh, pushes out new versions and he tags on in brackets after it uh, V dot and then a number. So at the moment it's 366. Um, and as far as the uh, application is concerned, because it's 3.0, it's up to date, even though the version that he's tagged on after it isn't. So uh, what I've done with that is I've downloaded the latest and I've now told it that this is another option that you've got. You can tell it to take the version number um, and make that the latest one. So the next time there's an update, I'm hoping that I will have trained that, that, that what I've done in saying this is the latest version has transferred the version number and that next time um, it will work. So. I don't know how long it'll be before the next one, but I shall report back when it does and see what it says about it. Yeah, I found the same problem with Notebook uh, using AppFresh. We did a bit of an AppFresh versus um, Mac update, didn't we? We did. And uh, also what I found with uh, AppFresh was that it found duplicates. So there's, there's quite a few applications that were listed multiple times. And when I clicked on them and it shows you where they are, it was actually looking in multiple locations, but it wasn't very consistent. Um, for example, if it found three entries for, or it listed three entries for a product, one would be in my real apps folder. One might be on my main external drive, um, but I know that I've got another copy of it on my backup external drive. And sometimes it would go and pick it up from my, my backup drive and sometimes it wouldn't. Now, it also listed apps in other folders on my Macintosh hard drive. For example, uh, as I said earlier, you've got this download folder for your Mac update desktop um, and that's inside your home folder downloads and it will pick it up from there as well. And the Mac update desktop only seems to scan the apps folder. But I can't be 100% sure about that because I don't have apps anywhere else. Um, like your finding, I learnt my lesson a while back with that, with the problems I was having with launch services, um, where the Mac itself, you have no control over launch services. It's an all or nothing. Um, the Mac takes care of it. And if you uh, reset your launch services over time, other applications will get added to it and all you can do is reset the launch services and I found all sorts listed in there and I couldn't fathom why and then I realized that what was happening was if I got an application and it was in a zip file and I unzipped it I would leave the unzipped version um, on my external drive and drag a copy of it to the apps folder and of course then I got the thing listed twice and the second copy was launching the one off the external drive so I was very new to a Mac at the time and had no 
idea that it, it would do that. So um, what I decided to do was if I'd got an application and I wanted to keep a copy of it on an external drive, I would zip it up and make sure there was no .app files. Uh, that was the one thing I did. Then, of course, as people know, I, I reset the launch services. Um, that's working for me. So I don't think it's actually looking anywhere else um, for me. But it does allow you to have an additional folder specified to be an apps folder and then you can include it in the update. So if for whatever reason you do have your applications in a second folder and you would like uh, the Mac update desktop to scan it, then it will. You can do that. Uh, one of the things that impressed me with it was it handles sneaky peaks very well. Um, anybody who's got uh, any applications from OmniFocus, um, from Omni, um, I've got OmniFocus, OmniPlan, OmniGraffle, oh, you name it, I think I've got everything they sell. Um, they release sneaky peak versions, which are like betas, um, but they're sort of more beta-ish than a beta, so somewhere between an alpha and a beta. Um, and I've got sneaky peaks of quite a few of their apps, and it handled those as well. But... Um, all wasn't sweetness and light, was it? No, it got confused with iWork. That was quite interesting. Uh, AppFresh showed version 2.0.3 for Numbers, which uh, is the latest installed version, whereas Mac Update showed it as 1.0.3. Uh, for Keynote, showed AppFresh showed it as 5.0.3. Uh, Mac Update uh, showed that also as 5.0.3 being installed, but 4.0.4 is the current version. And pages showed a similar uh, discrepancy, only a, a, a 0 .0 0.0.2 discrepancy uh, between uh, AppFresh and Mac Update on pages. So I wrote that off, to be honest, as being because um, the older versions of iWork needed a serial number if you purchased it uh, via electronic download. If you bought it in uh, on a DVD... Uh, it didn't need a serial number, and they seem to have made it now that you don't need a serial number. And I assumed that's what the problem was, um, but I'm not 100% sure. I know you now have to uninstall it before you can actually install it, because if there's no serial number, then there's no trial. The, the trial version is just that, a dedicated trial version, and you can't turn it into a full version by putting a serial number in so i sort of wrote it off like that um like i said it's not causing any problems it's not telling me that it's out of date even though the numbers don't match it's not telling me it's out of date so um i ignored that i didn't let that concern me one of the things i did find that was incredibly useful is, is watch lists where you can organize and manage your software now you might think, oh, well, why would I bother? Because I'll just go through the whole lot. But if you come to rebuild a machine um, or you're working on somebody else's machine and you, you need to do a specific job on it, maybe you, you're um, in the Apple store. I usually do this. I, I download some uh, software and, and get it set up to do a specific job while I'm in there. And what you can do with it is you can create these lists, your watch lists um, on uh, via the desktop application. And that it includes links in to well it links into the mac update website so as soon as i've created one of these watch lists on the desktop version if i log into mac update they are there straight away online and one of the options that you can uh, set online via the, the watch list online is you can have it send you an email when when a particular application is updated now it is optional um, if you've got another, as many applications as me you won't want emails every time for all of them um, but i thought that was quite a, a useful thing to have available I thought about what would be the most logical way to create groups um, 
of applications. And I thought, well, obviously there's the specific job type, but also when I'm building up a machine, I have like standard software that I need to be installed. So I, I really would find it very difficult to work on a machine without one password, without launch bar, without type in ATA, uh, default folder. So stuff that I use all the time, the kind of stuff that you forget isn't part of the operating system. So if I created a watch list for those and called it sort of essential apps, then it would be very quick to be able to download them onto a new machine. Because what I could do I could uh, log into Mac Update, go to my watch list, and I'd actually have a list, a clickable list to download all the software instead of having to search for it. Because what I was doing when I was uh, rebuilding after Snow Leopard to make sure that I had the latest version, I was going to Mac Update and running a search for each one. So this would save me quite a bit of time because I wouldn't have to do any searching. So fantastic for system builds, I thought. Yeah, sounds like a good idea, that one. Um, it does support growl notifications notifications which should please you well true but if i started getting growls on the prowl saying software was being installed i'd be worried mm, true i think it's more to do with telling you that the software's been installed once you've started the installation <laughs> yeah okay then it's all right for that <laughs> yeah it uh, does have an option to include beta versions i think i mentioned that earlier as well and uh, you found something interesting as well yeah, because I knew we were going to be taking a look at this and I hadn't looked at the Mac Update desktop before, I knew I'd compared AppFresh with something else and I couldn't remember the name of it. So I'm sat there thinking, come on, come on, come on, what was it called? Couldn't remember. So I thought, well, I know what, I'd, what I'll do. Uh, I'll go to Mac Update and I'll type in AppFresh. And what Mac Update does is it doesn't only give you links to the developer site and the price and reviews and stuff. Down on the lower right, um, it gives you alternative applications to the application that is the, the page that on which you're actually looking. So um, if I go, to, for example, to Typeinator, I'd probably see down in that bottom right hand side um, Text Expander as well and vice versa. That's how it works. So I thought if I get to the AppFresh page on Mac Update, probably down in that lower corner, it will tell me what the name of the application is, the name of which is totally escaping me. So I go to Mac Update, I type in AppFresh, and it was absolutely spelled spot on, um, put it in the find box, and it loads in the page for Mac Update desktop. <laughs> That's well sneaky, isn't it? <laughs> That's criminal, really, isn't it? So I'm not sure now if AppFresh is even listed on Mac Update, but uh, typing in AppFresh, instead of it coming back and saying, you know, no application of that name is listed, or taking me to AppFresh, no, it takes me to Mac Update Desktop. That is really sneaky. I think I'm going to go with this, given that I do have more than one Mac, and the more Macs I have, updating the software just takes too long. It's a waste of valuable computing time. It is, yeah. And I think I'm going to go with it as well. I know in our um, Mac update versus AppFresh, I, 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 I took the part of, of AppFresh, as it were, uh, and you were looking more at Mac updates. But uh, I think I'm going to go with uh, Mac updates as well. I just had too many failures with AppFresh. And I'm, I'm, like I'm saying, Either well, I'm not sure why. It's either that I don't use, um, I use this, and that's what they're using. Whereas I do actually make great use of Mac Update, so um, it's going to be a big improvement for me. So I, I'm happy to say yes, I'm I'm going with that. Now talking of software updating, there's a new app for checking if your software is Snow Leopard compatible as well. Yep, when we were talking about getting ready for Snow Leopard, um, there was a website. 
um, a wiki, wiki dot, wasn't it? W- yeah. Wiki something. We'll we'll put the uh, link in the show notes again for that. And it was a website that you could go along to. It was uh, community maintained, and uh, people were putting up there either yes it was, no it wasn't, or what the gotchas were. And I found that site very very useful uh, in the first couple of weeks with Snow Leopard, um, as I was trying to install software and thinking, you know, is this going to work or not? So that was really useful. Um, I think it was called snowleopard.wikidot.com. That's the one. So you actually had to go there to it and then look down an alphabetical list. Um, it was very comprehensive, though, so it was a fantastic resource. But now uh, it's improved even more because now there is an application that you can get that um, will look at the software that you've got and it is comparing it against the list at snowleopard.wikidot.com um, without you having to go there and manually look at it. So um, if you haven't yet upgraded to Snow Leopard, uh, that's an even faster way to do it. So um, there's a hideously long URL uh, to the page that's explaining how all this works and where to get it. So as I say, I will put that in the show notes. And uh, if I was starting out with Snow Leopard right now, I'd be using that. So uh, a fantastic resource there. And it's free as well, isn't it? It is, yeah. Now, Jane from Oz, Sunny Oz. Is it? Is it? Lash- lashing it down outside? Oh. Well, it's there summer, isn't it? Oh, it's criminal, that. Criminal. It's it's um, somewhat wet here, isn't it? Mm. Just a anyway, bit. Jane from Oz wrote to us this week and made a few points. She'd like us to install a permanent voice recorder at MacBytes headquarters so that we may all be entertained by Elaine's weekly rants. Oh, Jane, Jane, Jane. If we'd done that this week, you'd all be in fits. Now, not actually MacBytes headquarters this week, was it? But in the MacBytes mobile studio a.k.a. the car. Yes, it was all very simple. Um, I think you'd finished work a little bit early, hadn't you? And you were heading home. It was all going to be fine. Um, The dog was going to be taken for his walk. I was getting ready and we were going out for the evening. A nice, relaxing evening. And did it end up like that? Oh, no. Oh, no. For a start, you were actually late back, later than you would normally be. Never mind early. Uh, the poor dog was shortchanged on his walk, which he still hasn't forgiven us for. And Biscuits is providing no compensation. He's got that evil look in his eye that he's he's counting. I'm sure he's got a stopwatch somewhere. So um, you get back and we head off. In, still in plenty of time, mind you, wasn't it? And we get in the car, we head off up the road. You were busy telling me that there had been an accident and that's what the problem was. And we were fine. Until we got to the motorway, weren't we? Or the car park, as I like to call it. And we sat there. We were only heading out uh, 18 miles. Mm. And we'd done the same 18 miles a few days before in 20 minutes. And we'd left with at least an hour and 50, two hours. So it was fine. We were going to get there. Everything was going to be fine. Until we got to the motorway, as I say. And we were still sat within... 200, 300 yards of the um, slip road after an hour and 40 minutes. We were. So panic set in, didn't it? We had tickets and we weren't going to get there. Luckily, we were moving fractionally, fractionally, fractionally. And then it was like the parting of the Red Sea. And luckily, uh, you managed to weave your way through the traffic, didn't you? And I didn't speed once. Yeah, not much. Mm. Um, You broke the land speed record. (laughs) But we did actually get there. And I suppose by the skin of our teeth, literally, uh, we managed to squeal into the car park. Literally squeal into the car park. Um, 
and run. That was a sight, wasn't it? Out of said car park into our venue. So we did actually make it and um, only just. So, of course, if that had been recorded, oh, the entertainment value alone. The air was blue, wasn't it? It was, yeah. But on the upside, and this was indeed a big upside. Jane will understand this. You might not, but Jane will understand this. On the upside, I can highly recommend Clinique Mascara. It goes on wonderfully, even at 90 miles an hour around the corners. What more of an advert could they possibly want? I'm saying nothing. Well, you weren't wearing the mascara. I'm going to continue with what Jane had to say. (laughs) She said the voice memos app on the phone recorded audio lasting precisely 53 minutes. No cut off. It kept going until she stopped recording. So Jane's the only person that it's working for. That's good Mm. to know. She also said that uh, our mention of open office for kids last week sounds just the thing she needs to install for her father when buying him a Mac Mini at Christmas. The basic functions sound ideal for his minimal computer skills and we'll be downloading and trying it out this weekend. Um, This will be his first Mac to replace a dreaded Windows machine. Oh, fantastic. That's wonderful. I'm sure he'll really, really enjoy it. Yeah, I've actually been using it this week. I needed to do some basic spreadsheet functionality. um, And the fact that it's quick to load is what drew me to it, as I I said last week. And also the fact that I can, and this is a a little point, but it's important to me. I can use the arrow keys to point to cells when I'm building a formula, which is something that numbers can't do. Uh, I think that's what 20 years of doing spreadsheets with Lotus 1, 2, 3 in Excel does to you. Now, her last point is that Busy Cal is humming along nicely. The dock icon date confusion symptom seems to have fixed itself uh, and now shows the correct date on her Intel MacBook Pro. But Mr. Jane's iMac, which is a G5 PowerPC, still remains confused as to what date it is. And as she writes this on the 30th, Busy Cal on his machine thinks it's the 9th. Jane, there's a solution to that. If ever there was a pressing need to buy one of those new 27-inch iMacs. That's it. Yeah, and she finishes by saying, thanks for another cheery show. Uh, I'm sure the neighbours think I'm one prawn short of a barbie. Says in my best Australian accent. As I, I wouldn't through... bother, she's not. <laughs> I know she's not, but she's from Southport. But she lives there, doesn't she? Um, as she walks through the park, giggling at your at our podcast antics. Yes, yes, yes. But just because she lives there doesn't mean that she's gained the accent. Nor a hat with corks on strings hanging off it either. <laughs> I know she's not gained the accent because she sent us audio, hasn't she? True. Anyway, it's great to hear that um, they might think you're barking mad. Sanity is well overrated anyway. It certainly is. Mm. Well, that's it for this week's episode of MacBytes. And as always, we'd love to hear from you, whether it's audio or whether it's, um, you know, typed. You can contact us via the website at macbytes.co.uk or directly via email at macbytesuk at gmail.com. And you can keep up to date with what we're doing via Twitter at twitter.com slash macbytes. If you want to, you can follow me personally on Twitter at twitter.com slash thomasmike. And you can follow me at twitter.com slash Elaine Giles. So until next time, this has been Mike and Elaine bringing you MacBytes. Goodbye and see you next time. See you next time. There's nothing wrong with my mascara. <laughs> my mascara looked wonderful. I oh. don't know. I was on two wheels at the time doing 90. <laughs> you, said, you said you didn't speed. <laughs> mm, you're a bad boy. Mm.